If I were to talk about the return of Jesus, it would almost certainly conjure up in your mind uh, the image of his second coming to earth. The day of judgment, the day where Jesus will resurrect everyone from the dead and end the current world order, his return from heaven to earth. Or you might think that by talking about the return of Jesus, I'm kind of summing up the Christian faith with regard to his works. You know, it's often said Christ died, Christ rose again, Christ will come again. You know, it's as though uh, his death and resurrection are always listed, always listed with his coming back again. And these things are good and proper and they are vital to the Christian faith. The idea that Jesus is returning to earth. But the return of Jesus has two different meanings. And one of them is so often overlooked, but is so full of goodness for those of us who trust in Jesus. It is this return of Jesus to heaven, not from heaven to earth, about which the theologian John Owen once said, the unfamiliarity of our faith in this area is the cause of all our worries, disconsolation, and most of our weakness in obedience. This vital missing part, unfortunately, in so much of today's Christianity is stated by the Apostles' Creed like this. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. So this morning we are talking about the return of Jesus, not from heaven to earth, but from earth to heaven, where he is enthroned, where he is sat at the right hand of God, which is a symbol itself of glory and authority. And really there's three things, there's three elements to that idea of Jesus returning and being seated at the right hand of God. So important, so let's, as I say, let's look at these three points. The first thing it says is, that the work of Jesus is complete. The mission which he was sent to do has been done. And so the first thing we see is that there's a celebration in heaven when he returns. There's glory as he comes back, having done exactly what the Father had sent him. And we know that he's done everything that the Father sent him to do because he wouldn't have returned unless he had done everything the Father had sent him to do. Throughout the Gospel of John particularly, Jesus keeps making this point clear. I'm here to do the work of my Father. So if he's not here anymore, what does it imply? He's done it. He's done everything. And so, as I say, celebration resounds as he comes back in. Hebrews 12 talks about the, the joyful throng of angels that they're in the heavenly places with Christ. And when we go to Hebrews 12, especially, we see that it describes us that when we go to church, when we come to worship Jesus, we are joining in, in that celebration in heaven. That celebration is ongoing and we have the privilege of joining in with it. It was one in that moment that Jesus returned to heaven. And so even in tribulation, we can rejoice the victory of whoever oppresses us, whoever they be, whether they be governments or tyrants or uh, heresies that come into the church that want to disrupt um, biblical Christianity, whatever it is that is oppressing us, we can rejoice because we know that Jesus is seated in heaven. His work is finished. So as I say, the return of Jesus is a statement that all he was done was received by the Father. And that the fact he has gone means that he has done everything necessary to win you back to the Father. One theologian I've read talks about how the very ascension of Jesus, the fact that he went up again, is a statement to all the enemies of God. God's coming for you. It's a statement to all of them that God 
it has the victory and God will have his victory over them. Which leads us to the second point. The first point, his work is finished. The celebration ensues. The second point is, this means that Jesus is king over all creation. Psalm 110, my favourite, possibly chapter of the whole Bible, is this incredible psalm, this incredible song about this moment that Jesus comes into the heavenly throne room. The moment that he comes before God the Father and God says to him, well done. Have a seat, sit down at my right hand. As he returns, he's met by the Father and is commanded to rule. And in Psalm 110, it says, rule in the midst of your enemies. In other words, God doesn't say, one day your enemies, your enemies are going to be destroyed and at that point you will be king. No, he says, rule in the midst of your enemies. Be king even while the enemies rage and uh, Jesus is now defeating his enemies that are before him. He's ruling in the midst and is making them his footstool. That's how Psalm 110 says it. So what that means is, even today, since 2,000 years ago, Jesus has been defeating his enemies. Sometimes the progress isn't as fast as we might like. Sometimes you hear people say, oh, the world's so much worse now than it used to be. But no one ever wants to choose a different period in history where they want to live in. Why? Because we all know. Jesus is defeating his enemies. Jesus is restoring this creation because he is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus sitting down at the right hand of the Father is like D-Day. As the Germans look out on the beaches and see all these allied forces arriving on the beaches of Normandy, they know we've lost. But the victory isn't theirs yet. Because in between, uh, because there's D-Day, but there's also V-Day. Now, in between D-Day and V-Day, uh, the, the allied forces were wiping up the enemies. They were just pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, and then eventually it gets to the point the enemies are all subdued. In the same way, Jesus sits down. He has stormed the beaches of Normandy. D-Day has been won, and for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been mopping up enemies, and it gives us the utmost hope that V-Day will one day come. We may not live to see it. Our children may not live to see it. Generations may not live to see it. But we have this guarantee because Jesus has sat down, V-Day will be won. Jesus is constantly clearing up his enemies before him. And so that gives us a statement that Jesus is king. And what a statement that is. I would say that the whole of the Christian faith really can, can be contained in the statement that Jesus is king. In the same way that, you know, a whole oak tree is contained in a tiny acorn. No one looks at an acorn and says, yeah, that's a whole oak tree. But nonetheless, the whole thing is in there. The statement, Jesus is king, contains every area of Christian theology. And we can say that. Why? Because he ascended to heaven and has sat down at the right hand of the Father of God, uh, of God the Father Almighty. What a statement it is. And the whole Christian faith is summed up in that Jesus is king, which means that we look at everything else, everything else in this world. And we can say, you're not my king. You're not my king. You're not my king. Jesus is my king. And I do what my king commands. Gives us hope. The last thing we've seen it uh, means that he's finished the work that the father sent him to do. And so we can celebrate with him and celebrate with the angels. It means that Jesus is king over all creation. And the last thing, it means that we have a priest who is constantly living to intercede for us. The book of Hebrews really makes this point. It goes, to, it goes to lengths to make this point. Jesus has not gone to heaven for a holiday. Jesus has not gone to sit down and put his feet up. 
Jesus is in heaven securing your salvation. Jesus is in heaven interceding for you. The earthly priest in the earthly temple uh, had to intercede for the people, but also for himself. And even then, he could only do it every now and again. He could only do it a couple of times a year. But Jesus lives eternally to intercede for us. He entered into the temple, the heavenly temple, not with the blood of bulls or goats, but with his own blood, Hebrews tells us. And he now lives there to make intercession for us. I love that song, Before the Throne of God Above. I love the image that Jesus is constantly there. His very presence with the holes in his hands and in his side, his very presence is a reminder to the Father, I have bought my people. And so every time you feel doubt, every time you feel as though this time you've gone too far for God, every time you feel as though you have no worth, you can be reminded of this. Jesus, right now, as we speak, is in heaven interceding for you. He will not let you go. And we can say all of this with such joy and confidence and clarity because, as I say again, he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. What a wonderful truth this is. And it's such an uh, an under-talked about truth in the church. We've, we've got to make it known to ourselves and to everyone else. Jesus is sat down in heaven, not doing nothing. He's not on holiday. He is king. His work is finished. And he is the priest. So let's pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have finished your work, that you are king and that you are our priest. Lord, comfort us with this truth that you have sat down in heaven at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Thank you for this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.